Great to have all of you with us, whether you're worshiping online at our different sites or here gathered in Chanhassen. If you're a guest, so glad you're here. Man, I was stirred up watching that video, thinking about our students going to LA, Sammy Wagnoni, and just historical perspective. Sammy was a student of mine when I was teaching at Bethel Seminary, and I was teaching a class on evangelism. And halfway through that class, he hadn't even started the Shine Ministry at that point, and I said, you need to be teaching this class, not me. I mean, he was just so anointed, it was very clear. And this week they're going to have nearly a million people gather in Tanzania. I get goosebumps how God works in and through us and he's breathing life into us all the time. So glad we get to be together. Pray that you just sense the breath of God coming into your life and journey as well. We continue our series called Up and this is the third message in the series that takes us through the summer. We're looking at the Psalms of Ascent. It's 15 Psalms, 120 to 134 that just They're a group of psalms that the people of God look to as a primary devotional guide and prayer book. And so over the summer, my invitation to all of us is to reclaim the practice of reading, praying, and even singing the psalms because that's what the people of God have always done. And we've been a little derailed. For many of us today, we forget the power of that practice. So this summer... Would you reclaim the practice of doing that? We're helping you. We put the little booklet up together. If you've not picked one up, please do so. There's an opportunity to take notes. You can even bring it in when we're um, going through the series on Sundays and take notes right in here. But there's a place for reflection, a prayer guide. There's a devotional guide as well. And take advantage of that. And then as well, encourage you to memorize one of those psalms. Today we're looking at Psalm 122. It's the third in the series. And I begin with this question. What is one thing you look forward to Every week. You just look forward to it every week. Multiple choice options. Going to work? Uh, Okay, maybe not so much. Um, Going to bed? Putting your head on the pillow? Sometimes that could just be a highlight of your week you look forward to all the time. Or maybe going out to eat with friends or perhaps a favorite show that you're just tuned into and want to follow along. Or going to extracurricular activities with your kids or your grandkids. Or Could it be that the thing you look forward to more than anything else is going to church? Okay, all right. right. Because the psalmist that we're going to look at today, the psalm is really talking about encouraging us um, to not only go to church, but look forward to going to church. Such an important thing for us, and that's what we're going to take and give our energy and attention to. We have a motto at Westwood. For those who are guests, I want to say it to you because it's been part of our culture here for a very long time, and we want to cultivate it further, but the motto is we get to be the church. Say it with me. We get to be the church. You're going to say that more than once today. Say it with enthusiasm because it's a sacred privilege. We get to be the church. That was fashioned many years ago because of two primary reasons. One, it's true. It's true. We get to be the church. And if you stop and truly think about the awesome privilege it is to be called the children of the Son of God, we get to be the church. He birthed the church. It's the people of God. It is one of the most beautiful gifts you'll ever have in your life. But secondly, because of just the pragmatic reality of our own histories, where we've been, that many of you grew up in environments where it was a have-to experience. I have to go to church. And therefore, an I have to is very different than I get to. It's a whole different motivation and drive in our own understanding of life. We get to be the church. 
I think that was uh, captured, and it always is. Children are always teaching us about faith. Don't you agree with that? And our children this past week had VBS, and it was a kick in the pants. It was so much fun. In fact, one of the highlights of my week is I had coffee with a guy from Westwood who told me, I could hardly believe it, he said that his son's baseball game had to be canceled on Monday night because only two players were available to play. All the rest were in the VBS at Westwood Community Church. I go, that is unbelievable. I feel like I have been fighting the culture of of athletics, which has taken over the church world, which used to be a priority for us. And here they had to cancel a game for the church experience. I love it. The trajectory is changing, right? I have to tell you, though, there were over 700 kids that participated in VBS at our Bush Lake site in here. And 170 put their faith in Jesus Christ this week. God is at work in Tanzania and in our own backyard. And our children teach us this. I just want to thank the team who puts that together every year. I thank the 300 plus volunteers who raise their hands and say, count me in. I want to serve those kids over the course of this time. And I thank you for your generosity. Your generosity makes ministry happen. It really does. In summertime, we've got these mission trips that are going out. This is a peak season for our kids and our students. And uh, we're in the last month of our fiscal year, July. And many people are traveling. Can I give you the invitation? Give boldly, give generously for the work of God. He's doing great and mighty things in our midst. So thanks to all of you who have served in that part of our journey in uh, this past week, and there's still more to come. Well, let's jump into Psalm 122, and uh, I'm going to do three things from this psalm today because you'll, you'll see it pretty clearly outlined in here. I want to speak about our approach to worship. I want to speak about the three benefits of worship that are included in it. And then it wraps up with this compelling call for us to be ambassadors around a specific, um, specific call, which I'll get into at the conclusion of the psalm. Remember, this is the devotional guide and the prayer guide of the people of God. They're making their way up to Jerusalem. They sing these psalms. This is Jesus' playlist. We're singing what Jesus sang. And they did so by being together, reading together, singing together. We aren't going to sing. We are going to read, stand with me, and join me in unison reciting Psalm 122. I rejoice with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Our feet are standing in your gates, Jerusalem. Jerusalem is built like a city that is closely compacted together. That is where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, to praise the name of the Lord according to the statute given to Israel. There stand the thrones for judgment, the thrones of the house of David. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. May there be peace within your walls and security within your citadels. And for the sake of my family and friends, I will say, peace be within you. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek your prosperity. Thank you for reading and joining me. You may be seated. We're learning about our approach into the worship experience that the church is the people of God first and foremost, but it includes the place of our gathering as well. And the very first thing that we learn from the psalm is, oh, WGBC. Those are the call letters like to radio, but it's we get to be the church. That's gonna pop up every once in a while, and that's your invitation to join me, reinforcing, reiterating, we get to be the church, say it again, we get to be the church, and we learn, first of all, to look forward to being with each other and to worship God. 
that there is a high priority, let's put it this way, a highest priority in our lives, in the land of options in which we live, to, to go to church, to worship God um, in the privacy of your home and in the gathering of his people. Something happens when we gather together. Make it a highest priority. When you think of all the options we have, we have so many options, we drown in our options, we get paralyzed by our options, but make it the highest priority because it doesn't take long because, before it becomes the lowest priority. You get a Sunday, you go, I just need to sleep in. I, that's my day to sleep in. And we're gonna have days like that, we just are. But let it not be your pattern. Or if you have so many things to do and all of a sudden the prioritization process becomes everything else and we forget to come together to be the people of God, worshiping God together where he meets us in an in a impactful kind of way that transforms our lives today and even into eternity. And we see it in verse one. He says, I rejoice with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. And you notice something right away in verse one. There's an inviter and an invited let us go to the house of the Lord. The inviter says, come on, let's go. Let's make our way to um, the house of the Lord. And then the invited, I rejoice with those who said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. So the psalmist isn't alone. Um, he's been invited by somebody else to enter into the journey. One of the peak um, background contextual points of this psalm is the fact that we're called to be inviters. Uh, let, me, let me take a step back and just give you some bigger context here because we've been in Psalm 120, 121, and now Psalm 122. They all work together, those three psalms. And in fact, you'll find this rhythm of threes throughout all of these psalms of ascent. The, the rhythm includes trouble, trust, and triumph. Trouble, trust, and triumph get repeated again and again in these 15 psalms, but in triads, like these first three. And so in Psalm 120, we found trouble. That is, the psalmist is a far away from Jerusalem, a long way from being with the people of God to worship God. He's surrounded by people who don't love God or believe in God's ways. And there's chaos and there's trouble all around, and he can't, make his, can't wait to make his way and start that journey. And so find trouble to be one of those themes. Last week, we looked at Psalm 121, which is all about trust. So you can see the people making their way, sometimes for days on their travel journey, to Jerusalem, and they're encouraging each other, let's trust God in the midst of the trouble that we find ourselves, because God is the maker of heaven and earth, and he is our helper and our protector and our keeper. That's what we looked at last week. I emphasized a point that I wanna emphasize again because we need it so much in our lives. If you elevate your troubles and your problems to be bigger than God, you will not go to God. You'll look for other resources to help you navigate your troubles. But we learned in the Psalm last week that if you let God be bigger than your troubles and your problems, you will go to God and you will find indeed he is your helper, your protector, and your keeper. Go to God with the troubles of life. That's what they're doing in the journey and now they arrive, triumph. They've made their way and they have this sense like we made it, we've come all this way. Have you ever been invited to something and you just kinda like, oh, I don't wanna go. I just do not wanna go. And then you get there and you experience it and afterwards you go, I'm so glad I came. That's what happens with our church gatherings. That we have these pressure points that call us to other things but when it becomes our highest priority and we make it and we're here, you'll leave today and, and most of you will say, I'm so glad I came today because God is at work in the midst of our gathering is the reminder that we find here. 
And so Jerusalem is important in the psalmist's journey because Jerusalem is the place where the temple is. And the temple is important because the temple represents the dwelling place of God and where the people gather together and uh, he is in our midst in a very special way when we come together as his people. And so the psalmist is, is giving this picture that for the Jewish people, Folks, as they would want to gather together and worship, they would go to the temple. For Christ's followers, we will go and gather together in the church. The Greek word is ekklesia. It's the gathering place of believers. And what gets highlighted in it is this reminder to let us go that there's, there's an inviter, that we're called to be inviters, and that there are the invited, that there are some who are still needing to come. They need the invitation to come. Many people will say yes if you invite them to come. When was the last time you invited anyone to come? That's not a shame question. It's just this introspective, invitational place that God wants us to be, to be inviters. Let us go to the house of the Lord. Come with us into the journey. And, and many will say, say yes. They may say no 10 times before they say yes. Because there's a lot of pressure points, you know, and they've been out of the rhythm and they feel like, oh, I don't know that place. It's a new place. I've never been there. Inside, eternity is in our heart. People want to come. And if you keep repeating that invitation, sometimes they'll say yes the first time. But even if you're persistent with it and gently you invite them to come, you're communicating, I care for you. I want to be with you. Let's be together in this. You make them feel the value that you even want us to come with you. And by the way, when they do come, it could well be some will renew their faith and some will even come to salvation. And it could be said a year after you've invited them that they would say of you, thank you so much for coming to me and inviting me and saying, let us go to the house of the Lord. Let us go to Westwood Community Church or whatever church it is that you're part of. They'll be glad because their life has been changed. And I know there are some skeptics in the room right now and you're thinking, Joel, you're the pastor of the church. You have to say this. But can I remind you, I've not always been a pastor. And I've not always been a Christian. And I didn't always have a we-get-to-be-the-church kind of mindset. And it's not always been a high value for me. In fact, after I graduated from college, I had started a business. I was working that business. That business was doing very well. I was happy doing what I was doing. I had come to faith in Christ, but I was in a different place in terms of understanding church. I was living in the basement of a widow's home by the name of Bernice, 80 years old, had a gift of prayer. And one day she came down and said, Joel, the Lord gave me a vision of your life that you're going to be a pastor which freaked me out because I would think God would give me the vision of my life that I would be a pastor, but I didn't even know what that meant. I didn't have the spiritual maturity of that. And I said to a friend of mine, this is what Bernice said to me, what do I make of that? Because when she gave me that vision, I wasn't even attending a church. More or less know the pathway of how I would ever become a pastor. I wasn't even attending a church. It was not of high value. I had faith in Christ. I was loving Jesus. I was growing in faith, but I didn't think church was important. I didn't think it was necessary. I did not think about going to church as the highest priority of looking forward to something in the course of the week. And I said to my friend Dan, what do I do with that? He says, come to my church. He became the inviter. That invitation would take me into the local church and it would change my life. So I could say of Dan, thank you for saying to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. It became life-changing. I'm just saying God meets us in a special way. And we're inviters, so who might God be causing you to consider inviting? And who are the invited that God has placed in your lives? And he's just waiting for that invitation to come.
It's a good, simple picture for us. Hebrews reminds us of the importance of this practice. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. What day approaching? The day that Jesus Christ will return. Let him return when we're living in this practice of coming together. What I find is interesting is this phrase, as some are in the habit of doing. Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing. In other words, they have the same issue then as we do today, that we fall out of habit. By the way, it takes 21 days to start a new habit, 21 days. That's three consecutive Sundays of worship together, and it changes your trajectory. Come for that 21 days. Just consider that, whether that's online or gathered together here, but that consistency just nurtures, it cultivates the soul of, of looking forward to being together and to worshiping God. That's a picture we have here in the first truth that we learn, but then there's a second truth that we learn, and here we find it again. There it is, WGBC. It's gotta get better than that before we're done. So the second verse talks about entering with anticipation and joy. And when you have joy, there's a contagion around that. I was humored some years ago. I heard this story I've never forgotten about a mother, a mom who, who was waking up her son to come to church and said, come on, let's go. She had the joy and the anticipation. Let's go. It's time for us to go. And the son, groggy, just said, you know, I don't want to go. The people don't like me there, they, they, they aren't kind to me there, I'm not gonna go, give me one reason why I should go. And she changed her tone, she says, I'll give you two reasons. Number one, you're 54 years old. <laughs> and number two, you're the pastor of the church. <laughs> so get up and let's go. And we have these days, right? that we struggle, but here we find in the verse two, the anticipation and joy is part of the journey. Our feet are standing in your gates, Jerusalem. Verse one, let us go, you feel the energy up, let us go. Oh, they've arrived. Our feet are standing in your gates, Jerusalem. I like how Eugene Peterson translates this verse in the, the Bible called The Message. He says, um, our hearts are leaping with joy. Now we are here. We arrived at. And there's this understanding, because for many, they would walk a day, a two, three, even longer, um, because they were coming up for the festivals, and they made their way to Jerusalem. So there was an effort and intentionality. So when they arrived, there was this, oh, we made it. There's this joy and this anticipation. For us, it becomes kind of like, oh, it's Sunday. It's a 10-minute drive, or a 20-minute drive, or 30-minute drive, whatever the case might be. It's not the same as that long haul that many of them went through. And yet the anticipation and the joy is to be given out of our souls as well. I'm particularly struck. You could see where they're standing and they have this delight. We made it. We arrived. Oh, great. Our feet are standing. This word standing, you can circle it. It's really a powerful Hebrew word, and it has shades of meaning that don't get caught in the English. It can mean standing still. Our feet are standing still in your gates. We pause. There's an awe. We've prepared for this moment. It's an invitation for us to prepare our hearts. As we enter, how we enter truly does matter. We prepare our hearts for worship, 
for our gathering spot. And not just in our gathering, but even in our going. I think about for those who are coming in and you get your lives full, just a simple prayer, say, Lord, prepare my hearts for your voice. Whatever you wanna to say to me, I wanna be available. A simple prayer like that would matter. If you've got little kids, it's really hard to, to do that. You're just trying to get there. You know, get, get your kids into the kids' ministry. And after you get them in there, you can breathe. I get an hour to be with the people of God, to worship God, speak to me. Just pause. Stand still. Prepare your hearts for what God wants to do. God is working around us all the time. Do you believe that? If we would stop long enough to welcome his working, it'd be amazing to see what happens in and through us. When I leave here on a Sunday, I've been doing this for years, and I don't plan on changing it. I have a little habit, same prayer, I leave the premises. I'm usually one of the 10 last people who leave the premises here in Chanhassen. I make my way to my car, and I always, always, always stop, and I give thanks to God. Usually, I drive up to the upper lot. Not always, but usually I drive up there, and I look over the Chanhassen campus, thinking of those online, thinking of those at Bush Lake, thinking of those at West Tonka as well, and I have the same prayer. Lord, you are much too kind to me and to us, and may it continue. Because I want the kindness of God to continue in my life and in our church for days, months, years, decades still to come. Don't you want the kindness of God to work over and over in your life? Just pause, stand still, and let him speak to you to that given end. No, when we enter, there's a power to it. Psalm 100 verse 4 speaks about it. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. How we enter really does matter. Be purposeful and intentional in it. And so our approach in worship is to look forward to it, to be with the people of God, to worship the living God, to have anticipation and joy. And then he transitions both in tone and in content. It gets a little bit more complex. But when you look closely, you'll see that there are benefits to coming um, into the presence of the Lord. And these Benefits, there are three of them that I see in the text. Um, speak about Jerusalem, but they're applied to the gathering of the people of God for the church. As they gathered in Jerusalem, so we apply, apply the same thing as we gather as the church of Jesus Christ. The three benefits, the first one. Oh, there it is again, WGBC. We get to be the church much better. We enjoy closeness with God and each other. There's an intimacy that happens. There's a deepening of friendship with God and with each other when we come together. And I think this picture really is so true. We see it in verse three, the focus of it. Jerusalem is built like a city that has closely compacted together. And so it has two dimensions to it. Jerusalem is like a city, so there's an architectural dimension of it. The city is on the highest point of the hill in Palestine. Um, it is a city surrounded by walls. It's, uh, it's, it's so dense that there's no opportunity for urban sprawl. And so the, the, the homes are all connected. The businesses are all connected. And if you go into the old city today, you'll see it is still the case. The density of the, the, the space is so limited that you have to saturate it. The buildings are close together, but it's not speaking about building and place alone. It's speaking about people. 
It's high density housing. And so you find a saturation of the people in the city surrounded in this wall. They're in close proximity. And during the three festivals, as they're making their way up to Jerusalem, the city just swells. And so there's this closeness. You could say it's crowded, but it's a joyful crowdedness. There's an anticipation of the goodness and the sweetness of God that happens when we're in close proximity to God and each other in our worship. They just believe God is gonna show up in a special way. Do you believe that? I believe that. That when we come together, that God meets us in the journey. And I'm so glad for that. I think we take it for granted until you go through a pandemic. As people started to make their way back after the pandemic, which they're still doing, we saw a surge at Easter time as well. I'm telling you, when you see people for the first time and you haven't seen them in a year or a year and a half or two years, the tears that flow during worship for many people the first time you are back, the sense of belonging that you shared, it's so good to see you. It just leaps from deep within and you just want to hug each other. We belong to each other and it's reinforced in this close proximity. It's one of the benefits of coming together to worship is closeness. And then we find that there's a second benefit that comes to us as well. Oh, there it is again, WGBC. We get to be the church. You're gonna have this in your head and heart. We experience a spiritual unity within our diversity. That when we come together, there is a oneness around the purpose of why we even come. We find it in the next verse, verse four. That is where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord, to praise the name of the Lord according to the statute, becomes an important word given to Israel. But take note of this. This is where the tribes go up, the tribes of the Lord. You would expect it to say the tribes of Israel, but it says the tribes of the Lord. When the psalmist ascends into Jerusalem for this experience and the crowded close um, intimacy with other people is there. They take notice of all the other people groups that are there, all the diversity that is around them, people from different locations, different color skin, different um, situations in their life, and they're coming together united out of the spirit of oneness. Oh, the tribes, the tribes of the Lord is related to the families of the earth. And the statute that is given to Israel takes us back to the very purpose statement that Westwood's purpose is grounded in from the Abrahamic covenant that God says to Abram, I'm gonna bless the socks of you. We come before God as did Abram. He says, Joel, I'm gonna bless the socks off of you and you and you and you. And through you, all nations, all families of the earth will be blessed. So they're gathering together and we're reminded of the importance of that. So we have a mission called Here, Near, and Far. The near referring to the fact that as the people of God in the church of Jesus Christ, we are called to be a blessing to the nations. There are 198 nations in the world, friends. 162 are here in the Twin Cities. The world has come to our doorstep. We have a mission and a vision to be able to open our hands to share unprecedented amounts of love um, to those who are coming, to plant the seeds of the gospel to see churches planted 100 by 2028. But it's more than just that missional thrust. It's about our experience of coming together as the families of the earth. For instance, VBS over at the Bush Lake site, and just well done over at Bush Lake in the course of this last week with our kids. Um, we've been able to partner with a church plant uh, related to the Hispanic community at Bush Lake. We've been able to partner with an Ethiopian church that's meeting there as well. And, uh, and th th there's this 
beautiful gift of coming together in, in the East Indian community as well. Global Harvest Church is there. So at VBS, the East Indian gathering and the Hispanic gathering joined our congregation and they celebrated VBS today together in a culturally diverse setting. It was so much fun. Can I just say, it's not just a purpose for Bush Lake. This is a vision we have for Chanhassen and West Tonka. And it's hard because our demographic doesn't feed it very well. But by 2034, there will be no majority people group in the Twin Cities. So we ought live, serve, and act in a way that we welcome the families of the earth to be in our midst, in our worship. Be inviters, let them come. We need to do changes in terms of how we're organized. I would envision a decade out that we're gonna be more culturally diverse and it will speak to the reality of heaven on earth in our worship experience. But it means we'll be inviters, we'll change. You'll see we're already making those changes in terms of our hiring protocol and processes. We want to represent the mission of God's heart for the families of the earth. Are you on board with that mission? Let's do this together and support each other with what God would want us to do in and through it. There's a, something we started as part of, I have this phrase, act the way you want to become. And so we've got to come together. We need to worship together. So we have United in Praise, which uh, we started doing about a year ago. We have these gatherings of worship with our ministry partners, and we come together in culturally diverse settings to worship. And it's happening on July 22nd, 7 p.m. It's a Friday night. Take out your phones. Put it on your calendar. Don't look at your emails or your texts. Just put this on your calendar and come and see what it's like. It will just bite your heart with joy. And what an exciting thing that will be for us. There's a third um, benefit that we have, by the way, that the psalmist speaks about. Oh, there it is again. <laughs> WGBC. We get to be the church. And that is we get direction from God's word. One of the greatest greatest benefits we have. You can study the word of God privately on your own, but when we come together, there's layers, there's dimensions of God's meaning and purpose for us that gets revealed in our coming together. And we find that in the next verse along the way that speaks about this so poignantly, although you may have questions. There stand the thrones for judgment, the thrones of the house of David. And you're thinking, Joel, where's the direction from God's word in that phrase? You have to sit with it. But let me point it out to you. The house of David refers to Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is critically important because it is both the religious and political center for all of Israel. And we see that thrones appears two times. Thrones are in the house of David, in the temple mount, in that worship place. And the thrones is where the judgments roll down. They're made, these, these decisions are made. In fact, the word judgment can be translate, translated to make decisions. So the decisions that get made roll down from the thrones, but the, it is the expectation of God that they align with the word of God. So therefore, we as a people, we roll out judgments all the time. We're making decisions every day. But what's informing the decisions that you're making? God's call is for us to let his word be the fuel for our decision making. That whatever decisions we make ought align with the word of God for every part of our life. And God speaks to every part of our life in his word, and that's the invitation, is let us seek not just knowledge from the word of God, but wisdom, which is the gift that helps us to know where to go, what to do, who to become, what to say, how to say it. It's informed by the word of God. So when you come and worship, our songs are aligned with the word of God. We're teaching you the word of God. 
Um, when we teach, we're teaching from the word of God because we think that wisdom is the best wisdom. My wisdom, limited. Any other teacher here, limited. The wisdom that comes from God is the wisdom that we wanna share with you. It transforms our lives. And that's the invitation that he gives. Martin Luther caught hold of this so beautifully. He says, the Bible is alive. It speaks to me, it has feet, it runs after me, it has hands, it takes hold of me. And so if you think the Bible is boring, then you have underestimated what it means that we get to be the church that is fueled by the word of God, which is alive. Once it takes hold of you, it just shapes your life toward goodness and joy and purpose in your journey. So open up your Bibles. Even in the summer, open it up to the Psalms. So when you come downstairs or into the, out of your bedroom, into your room, into a quiet room, whatever you call it, have the Bible open as a reminder to step into it. So we find this picture of our approach to God is so important, uh, the benefits of God, but then third there is, and I'm gonna be brief with this, this final exclamation related to the call of God for us to be ambassadors, specifically to be ambassadors that step into um, the, the text in this way. Look what it says. We are called to be peacemakers. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. May there be peace within your walls and security within your citadels. And he concludes the psalm, for the sake of my family and friends, I will say, peace be within you for the sake of the house of the Lord our God. I will seek your prosperity. There's a call to pray here in three ways. So I put it in a question format. And I invite you to pray in these three ways. First of all, do I pray for the peace of Jerusalem? Because the peace of Jerusalem is, Jerusalem is the city of peace. And the blessing of God from that Abrahamic covenant flows um, metaphorically out of Jerusalem through the people of God to the families of the world. We live in a world of turbulence. Do you not agree? Do we need peace? We're called to pay, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Secondly, do I pray for the peace of the church? The church is discombobulated around the world. Let's pray for the prosperity of the church. The house of the Lord is the call. And the third is, do I pray for family and friends? And certainly, you have at least one family member or one friend who could really benefit from peace in their lives. You can put their name right there. And as you do, I want to conclude by just inviting you to remember we get to be the church. And when you approach that experience of coming to be with God's people and to worship, look forward to it with joy and anticipation and receive the benefits of closeness, of unity in our diversity, of direction from God's word, that we would be reminded that God has called us up to be his ambassadors of peace in the world. We long for peace. It's not coming from government leaders. It's gonna come from the voice of God revealed through the people of God, his church, Jesus Christ. We are the peacemakers. And blessed are those who are the peacemakers, Jesus said, for they will be called the children of God. Wow. Good stuff, right? So let's stand and close together in prayer. Father God, thank you for the gift of life and the gift of peace. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem, the peace of the world. We need you to step in, navigate that in and through us. We pray for the peace of the church. You have ordained the church to be the means to accomplish your holy purposes. Might we live according to your will and way. We pray for our friends and our family right now in this moment who are in need of the peace that passes all understanding. Be that peace for them, we ask in Jesus' name, amen.